The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Hey, hey, it's Thursday, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Fantasy NBA Today. I'm your host, Dan Bespris, and this is, of course, a hoop ball presentation. Hope you guys are having a good one. Play-in games getting a little more interesting yesterday. Looked like the Grizz might run away from the Spurs, but San Antonio came back to make it interesting at the very least. And then the Lakers got a wild 30-footer from LeBron after taking a series of fingers to the eyes to escape Steph Curry and the Warriors, and the Lakers are now into the playoffs as well. But the play-in tournament rolls on. we got a game tonight, Indy and Washington, to decide who gets the eighth seed. And then you've got Memphis and uh, Golden State coming up tomorrow. That's Friday's game. And that'll uh, decide who takes on the Jazz in the first round of the playoffs. So here's what we're going to do on today's episode, or really what we're going to do on Fantasy NBA Today as a whole. My plan today was to do a bit of a deep dive on ruthlessness. You guys might remember I did a kind of silly deep voice at the end of yesterday's podcast. I said tomorrow's episode is going to be on ruthlessness in head-to-head leagues. And I still want to get into that a little bit. Uh, but I had a little bit of stuff also, repeat myself, had some stuff come up on the personal side. And without going into too much detail, uh, we had to put a, an animal down in the family. And so that kind of derailed my schedule. Not that I'm complaining about it, just sort of letting you guys know. It was a uh, difficult thing, man. I, I, I've never been a part of that before, and it's really something, really something. But we won't get into that on the podcast. Suffice to say, I don't think that, I don't think I have the tools today to do quite the deep dive on ruthlessness that I, that I wanted to. I really want to make it a math problem. So what I'd like to do instead is do more of an overview of ruthlessness, and we'll get back into that on Monday's episode of next week. That'll be a continuation here of Lesson 4, which, just a quick recap here, Lessons 1, 2, and 3 earlier this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday episodes of the podcast. Monday, we talked correlated player absences. Tuesday, we talked durability at the top of your draft or Massive per-game leaps. That was another sort of a two-parter on Tuesday. And then yesterday, more on durability, but also breaking down kind of the roto versus head-to-head elements of that durability discussion and how it pertains to both setting styles. Ruthlessness, I thought, was a just a fun one-word way to encapsulate the following idea. And that idea is that you can't take zeros in head-to-head, or can you? That's the question. How many zeros can you take in a head-to-head league? And there's a mathematical answer to that question that I wanted to spend a bunch of time on yesterday in the evening, Wednesday night. That was going to be me pulling up stats. You know how we did the, the Kemba Walker breakdown. We did the Kawhi Rudy Gobert breakdowns earlier this week. And just kind of showing where the numbers point us. Because most of the decisions we make, I this is funny too, and it spins into a different discussion of what is analytics. Analytics is just taking data and using it appropriately. 
And you take this side that's the generally the the percentage winner. So we're actually talking analytics here on the fantasy side, a little bit, whatever you want to call it, fantasy analytics, that's fine. And I don't want to get into a whole chat about how eye tests and stuff like that really matter because you, you do need to roll it all together, reality or fantasy. But what I'm talking about here and what we talked about on the Roto versus head-to-head and what we talked about durability and we talked about the per-game jumps is really fantasy analytics. How do the numbers, what do the numbers tell us to do? I thought comparing Rudy Gobert to Kawhi Leonard was a really interesting use of fantasy analytics because the numbers actually said Rudy Gobert in a head-to-head league was a better player to have on your fantasy team than Kawhi Leonard. Seems crazy. Not Roto because we talked about that yesterday, how you can add in a whole bunch of Dante DiVincenzo's to fill in the missing games. So, in a rare twist here, the ruthlessness discussion is very much centered on head-to-head, unlimited games leagues, meaning daily roster moves in a head-to-head league, where you do have a weekly moves limit, so you can't just constantly replace guys all week long. And so the, the one real decision outside of trying to get guys with upside, the one real decision you're making on a given week is how many zeros can I take? Because you're going to have somebody at the end of your bench who probably kind of stinks, but maybe there's a stre- they're a streamer, or maybe you have two of those guys in head-to-head leagues. You have this plan that you've mapped out, and that's all well and good. The part that you can't budget for is what if someone on your team gets hurt? And what I'd like to do, and again, this is a little bit more... We'll be doing more of it on Monday's episode, getting into the numbers part of it, is determine at what point are you doing more harm to your head-to-head team when you're holding, and at what time? At what point are you doing more harm to your head-to-head team by dropping? How do we dodge those moments? There are, there are anecdotes that fuel the way we think. As with many things in life, it's often easier to just take a story and apply it to the next thing you're going to do. But that is the definition of limited sample size. To take one story and apply it to the next thing you're doing. It's why I'm so staunchly against the never again list in fantasy. I I detest it. We probably all have it. I think I probably have it too, even though I hate it with all of my heart. There are guys that just burn you so bad in fantasy that you couldn't possibly wrap your brain around putting them on your team again. And it almost always, almost always is the wrong decision. I'll use an anecdote to describe that. This year, that guy for me was Julius Randle. After he just detonated one of my fantasy teams last year with that awful first three and a half months. Yeah, I know he was playing better like the month before the season got shut down last year. Not this most recently completed season. I know. But the first three months when he was high volume, like 42% from the field and like 69-70% at the foul line. And just an epic disaster in every way. Ruining my roto teams. Probably less of a head-to-head ruiner ruiner but I couldn't do it I couldn't get back on the Julius Randle freight train even though I saw him start to turn it around at the end of last season and I don't think any of us thought he was going to take the leap he took this year but even if he kept it going 
the way he was towards the end of last season, he would have been just coasting along at that 75 range. But he jumped over that by adding some stuff, improving his free throw percent, improving his three-point shot, lots of stuff. Doesn't really matter what it was. But that was a situation where I was just like, I can't do this again. I can't take this shot again because of what happened last year. So the never again list is is a mess. And I already forgot how we got spun off on this discussion. The main point that we're trying to get around to today is really how anecdotally we make poor decisions and how that then can feed into what we're doing in fantasy. And today, the anecdotes are, I don't know, maybe they do tell the story, maybe they don't. So that's why this is a two-parter. By the way, you guys can follow me on Twitter, at Dan Vespers. Thank you to everyone that continues to listen to this podcast in the off-season. You guys know I love me some off-season podcasts where we just get to go on and on about things that make us better at playing fantasy in general. You apply these things every year. So part two, which is coming on Monday, that's where we're going to get into the numbers and find out if the anecdotes, if what we've been experiencing on all of our teams, mine, yours, whoever, is accurate. Do our experiences tell us the right or the wrong story? So let's talk about an experience I had on today's story, and I'm betting you guys can probably draw a, a line almost directly to one of your own teams. By the way, our buddy Brandon Marcus, host of the Hoopball Clippers podcast and uh, many-time guest here on Fantasy NBA Today, is a fan of being extremely ruthless, and that probably worked out great for Brandon's teams this year. I'm at the polar opposite end of the spectrum, and it was a total mess for my head-to-head teams this season. So anecdotally, this year, and I'm going to take a team of mine that, by all accounts, should have been a good head-to-head team, and wasn't precisely because I held on to too many players. Precisely because I held on to guys too long. I've also had roto teams. You can talk about this year. My roto teams were not too badly banged up this year, but I've also had roto teams where I held on to guys too long, or very long, and it actually was a good idea. So that's why this, is, I think, is more about the head-to-head side. If you're in a Roto League with a game's cap, you pretty much sit on guys if they're inside the top 90, almost regardless of what else is going on, because those guys putting up their per-game numbers for you, anything inside the top 75, as we talked about yesterday, is a net gain for your fantasy team. Head-to-head is different. I've had many people say I don't talk about head-to-head enough on this podcast, and they're probably right. Not today. Today, they will be wrong. Today, (laughs) I will talk about head-to-head. So, Roto players, you can pretty much cover your ears. Or, if you're thinking about doing more head-to-head, this is the way to to start thinking about it. This is one of the big pieces of the puzzle. I had a team in head-to-head that I sat on uh, Christian Wood. We've talked about this team on the show before, but I want to rehash it just for those that, that weren't there. Um, I sat on Christian Wood. I sat on Kawhi Leonard. I sat on D'Angelo Russell. I sat on Larry Nance Jr. I sat on Aaron Gordon. I sat on TJ Warren. That's a lot of names. That's a lot, a lot of names. 
And when you say them all out loud like that, and you realize that a lot of those guys were actually hurt at the same time, it seems pretty damn dumb that I held on to all of those guys and just wore it. Just took zeros. But here's the thing, and this is where anecdotally things get a little bit, a little bit funky. Because if this season was of normal length, meaning if there were about two to three more weeks during the regular season, I'd have made the playoffs. Here's how this season went from a win-loss perspective for my team. I'll list, normally you'd list the bigger number first, but I'm just going to tell you in a nine-category league, this is how many categories I won. The first five weeks, I went 6-4. That was a loss. 6-6-6. So uh, I won four of my first five matchups when my team was generally healthy, and I won them pretty handily. That was three games over 500 in four of those five weeks, and then one game under 500 in the one I lost. And then guys got hurt. And you can go back and, you know, I, I looked at these things. And then I won three, two, two, three. Somehow I won five to four. Lost, uh, or I won four or out of five, so I lost the week. But that was right around when guys started coming back. So, um, and then I won four out of my next five weeks. So I won four out of five, lost four in a row, and then won four out of five again. It missed the playoffs by about a half game, more or less. There were some other large injuries that shook things up towards the end there. That was uh, when Kawhi and I think Trey were both a little bit dinged up. So that that was not great for team whatever I was called in this league. So what do we learn from this anecdote, from looking at this team? Well, as I look at that, the thing that comes to mind is I held guys too long. But I don't. I don't know that that's true because you need to think about it from a couple different standpoints. First of all, I'm assuming that you guys, everybody listening to this podcast, is in pretty damn competitive leagues. Meaning, you can't, I couldn't just drop a guy like a Christian Wood, even though it seemed like he was going to be out six to eight weeks. By the way, Wood ended up finishing at number 69 on a per game base. Remember, he was like number 20. The first few weeks before he got hurt, free throw shooting fell straight off a cliff. And he, you know, he wasn't the same guy when he came back from his injury. So it's hard to look at his end of season mark and think, well, I should have clearly should have dropped this guy. Larry Nance Jr., number 77 at the end of the year. Interestingly, those guys separated by only eight games on a per game basis. D'Angelo Russell, 98. These guys are actually all droppable in head-to-head. I think I'm of the opinion now, after watching this season play out, and and this season is not going to be typical, but at the same time, it's not the COVID guys that I was dumping. Those dudes, you're basically looking at two to three weeks out. You had a pretty good feel for it. They come back slowly, but once they're back, they're back. It's not like with Wood, who was going to probably sit some games out, and D'Lo was going to sit games out, and he came off the bench for a while. Oh, I sat on, did I say Aaron Gordon? That was another terrible one. So you could draw one conclusion here. And that's why I want to, again, this is another reason I want to make this a two-parter. Anecdotally, the anecdotes from this season would suggest you cannot sit on injured players at all. That when one of these guys went down for six to eight weeks, drop them. Minus the injured reserve slot. If you have one, you have two, whatever. So 
assuming your IL is full, anybody beyond that that gets hurt, that's outside the top 70 even, 65 even, if they're out for a month and a half to two months, you probably have to drop them in head-to-head. And I don't want to talk about the numbers because I want to talk about feel on today's podcast. I want to talk about feel. What does it feel like you should be doing? It's always going to feel like you should be doing the last thing that happened to you. So think about your own leagues while I'm talking right now and think, well, how long did I hold guys and how did my league go? Maybe you held a couple guys for five to six weeks and you won. So you'd be thinking, you're listening to this podcast and you're saying, Dan, you're wrong. But here's the thing. Neither one of us knows if we're right until we look at the numbers. And you guys can probably guess what the numbers are going to say based on conversations we've had earlier this week. If someone misses six to eight weeks of a basketball season, teams play, uh, well, it depends on the season a little bit, but you know, a normal basketball season is a shade under six months. Six months is 26 weeks, uh, slightly less than that because it runs through February where you've got the, the 28-day month. Uh, but it's about 25 weeks or so, give or take, the NBA season. And your head-to-head league, your head-to-head regular season probably runs for maybe 18 of those? 19? 20? If you're talking about a regular season? This year, head-to-head seasons went, I think, uh, 17 weeks, if you combine the All-Star week into one. So a normal season would be 19 or 20. And then you've got your three playoff weeks, and then you've lopped off the last one or two weeks of the season. So there you go. So quick math would tell you that uh, in a 72-game season where there were 20 weeks, teams are playing about three, a little over three games a week. Uh, A little under three and a half. Call call it like 3.4. Am I getting that right? 3.4 games a week. And in an 82-game season that runs for 25-ish weeks, it's just slightly less than that. It's more like 3.1, 3.2 instead of 3.4. They can stretch it out a little bit more. The math is pretty easy. We're going to do a deep dive on Monday. But if you want to make the quick look, you can just say, okay, well, somebody misses eight weeks, say six weeks even. Six weeks and they're playing three-point-something games a week, they're going to miss about 20 games. Name it roughly. It's an approximation. Which means that this year, the max they could have gotten you was about 52 games played. Go to your board. Find somebody who's ranked around 50 who played about 52 ball games. Who's a name in there that's close to that? Donovan Mitchell. He's 44. Played 53 games. I'm going to go lower. I'm going to start with somebody lower and work our way up the board. How about somebody ranked near 65 who played 52 games? The Time Lord, ranked number 69 and played 53 games. Where does that put him by totals? 85. Okay. That's a guy that still clears the bar for your head-to-head league. That means that over the course... Of the full year, his 53 games at whatever I said, 
what did I, what was he per game? 60 something. He actually deserves to stay on your roster. 53 games at, at top 70 means you can weather a six week absence. Okay. What about more than that? What about someone who misses eight weeks? Now you're talking about them missing more like 26 or 27 games somewhere in that neck of the woods. So now you're looking for somebody who played about 44, 45 games on the year in that range. That's hard to find, but it's basically Kemba Walker. What did we talk about Kemba? Per game 60, totals 118. It's not enough anymore. It's actually pretty remarkable what we just discovered that I kind of wanted to save for Monday, but I teased it here. So there is a point. There is a mathematical point at which, by the way, there's more to it than this because these guys are going to miss games besides the six to eight weeks that they're sitting out. So we have to take that into account as well. But there is a mathematical point for any ranking spot by which hanging on to them during injury is no longer worth it. And without going too far in deep, because I wanted to keep today's show a tiny bit shorter, I want to talk a little bit about the play-in stuff too. This applies even to the top most guys. You want to know where Anthony Davis was by totals? I'll tell you Monday. Quickly here on the play-in tournament. Um, Seems like it's a massive hit so far, which... It's fine. I put a tweet out yesterday during the Memphis-San Antonio game that said it didn't look like the 10 seeds were really belonged in a play-in tournament, and then the Spurs came roaring back, so they they did at least make a game of it. And some of the replies were were fairly accurate in saying, like, there are more than just the 10 seeds that don't belong in these tournaments. They're teams that just generally aren't good enough to, to be in the postseason. The Hornets, the Pacers, the Wizards, none of those teams probably should be in the postseason. Spurs in the Western Conference, but whatever. It is what it is. It wasn't my way of saying I didn't like the play-in tournament. I actually kind of like it. It just seemed like, arbitrarily this year, the last teams to make it weren't looking like they should be there at all. I can make a pretty good argument that the Grizzlies are a decent basketball team. They deserve a shot at getting in. And it did make the last couple weeks of the regular season a little bit more interesting, a little bit more fun. Kept teams hanging on a few extra ball games. Again, you can you can look at this mathematically if you want to. The Grizzlies would have been playing for that eight seed up until the bitter end. Spurs, Pels, Kings, those teams all would have given up a month ago. Most of them kept trying. Eastern Conference. The Wizards ended up as the eight seed. I don't even know if they get there without the play-in tournament. I think they were playing really hard because they knew they could get into the play-in tournament and they wanted to have it clicking, and then they made it all the way to the actual playoff spot in a normal year. Pacers, Hornets, Bulls, Raptors, all of those teams tried. All those teams were forced to play to try to win down the stretch. Then the Raptors threw in the towel once they got wiped out. Bulls, they played hard. Only the Cavs, Magic, and Pistons were a full tank in the Eastern Conference, and only the Thunder and Rockets were a full tank in the Western Conference. Wolves kind of pre-tanked with all their injury stuff. 
So I actually like the play-in tournament. I think it uh, it didn't expand the playoffs, really, because the play-in tournament happened so quickly here. I guess it... I mean, technically, it does expand the playoffs, but from a, like, who do I have to watch in a seven-game series, it's not going to change much from that standpoint. It's not going to put a bad team... It's not going to put a worse team in the eight seed. Because the better team is going to have to lose twice, and the worst team is going to have to win twice. So at that point, you're like, all right, well, that team probably deserved to make it anyway. This also, if there's a uh, an eight seed or a seven seed that's, I don't know, completely fallen apart, they don't deserve necessarily to get seven tries against a one-two seed. I think there's a lot of good things about the playing tournament. It just seemed like the ten seeds were wildly overmatched so far. Uh, but again, the Spurs did uh, make it close, and that game landed right on the number of Memphis by four. Lakers, Warriors, uh, Warriors covered. I told you that was a weird line. Got bet into. Both games went under the posted total by a lot. Three of the four play-in games have gone under the posted total so far. Because playoff games are different. This one should be interesting. Indiana at Washington. The Indy game went way over. Washington's actually been playing better defense of late. You might not know it from Jason Tatum going for 50. But the reason that game even got to 218 points was actually because of pace. Teams were running. Teams combined for 52 free throws. Not not a ton of turnovers. Um, but the Wizards held the Celtics at 39.5% shooting. I think Indy's going to run into a much better opponent here from a defensive standpoint. They're not just going to get every single thing they want every time down the floor. And you guys know I love betting unders in playoff atmosphere games after everything in the regular season goes over, especially because nobody was really trying this year. So a total of 237.5, Wizards favored by three. I think the side is relatively accurate. I might lean, might lean Wizards if I had a stronger feeling about how Bradley Beal looked on a basketball court right now. That's why I didn't bet the Lakers on yesterday's game. I didn't know what LeBron was going to be like. And he didn't look that good until very late. Second half, he kind of woke up, got it going a little bit, but he still didn't look fully healthy to me. Neither did AD. And I have that same feeling on Beal. I don't know how you bet on a team when the superstar isn't at 100% strength or close to it. Instead, you probably look at the under, assuming superstars are not all the way there. Russ has shown himself to be a complete wreck in the postseason for the most part. And then Indy, they just don't have the firepower. They did it against a bad Hornets team. Sorry, Charlotte. You guys played relatively well this year, but you were looking pretty bad down the stretch. And that, that's just not going to come so easily here. So uh, I look at the under in this one, and we'll talk much more about playing stuff and the actual playoff stuff on tomorrow's show. Friday's show, we'll talk about um, the Memphis-Golden State game to decide that last team coming out of the West, and then we'll break down all the series over the weekend. So tomorrow's show will be a playoff odds and values look and that's what we'll put a pin in things for today so again tomorrow we'll talk betting over the weekend monday we'll come looping back around and we'll do a mathematical breakdown on head-to-head injuries again this is daily leagues and assuming you either don't have an injured reserve slot or slot or they're all full we're gonna do a mathematical breakdown on at what point should you no longer hold on to a guy and there's always going to be exceptions to the rule. There's always going to be stuff like out indefinitely where you have to make super tough calls. And we'll talk about those as well. But we'll focus mostly on stuff where we have a timetable. The out indefinitely tag usually means a month, though. So we'll, you know, 
<laughs> roll, roll that into our discussions as well. Thanks for bearing with me, guys. Uh, there was a chance if without all the stuff going on on the family side, we might have been able to jam all of that into one show. But honestly, what's the rush at this point? So what I want you guys to do, because again, tomorrow's show is going to be a, a mostly playoff breakdown. What I want you guys to do between today and Monday is think anecdotally about the teams you've run, how you've dealt with head-to-head and roto injuries, and how they've gone. Because I want us to put all of our notions out there on the table, and I want us to do the, the analysis live on Monday's show, and we'll see the numbers, and we'll go, oh, damn. Or maybe we'll see the numbers and go, mm-hmm. But I'm not going to see the answers ahead of time. It's going to be a reveal that I'll do along with you guys. You guys will see my reaction. I have an idea of what I think I'm going to find. And I think I'm going to find that, like all things, there's probably a middle ground here. But let's find it. Let's see what the numbers say. Okay, folks, have a great Thursday. Um, Please do drop a five-star review on the pod if you have a moment. Check out our sponsors over at Manscaped.com. By the way, great stuff Manscaped's got going for Father's Day. That's coming up here in a couple of weeks. Perfect, perfect gift for your extremely hairy dad. (laughs) Yep, they didn't tell me to say that. I, that one I did all by myself. Okay, have a great day, everyone. I'm Dan Baspers for Fantasy NBA Today. Enjoy the play-in game tonight. We'll talk to you tomorrow. We'll get you set for playoffs, real playoffs, starting over the weekend. So long, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.